Hey, pumpkins. Welcome to another week at camp. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Grab your sleeping bag and flashlight and gather around the fire for some wicked fun. As always, this week's thrills and chills are chock full of spoilers. So listeners, beware. Ooh. Now for this week's tale of gore and more. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Copulators Die First. Hey, Nick. Hi, Ashley. How are you? I am doing pretty good. I just ate chocolate chip pancakes, so I am feeling swell. Hell yeah. I had a Taylor ham and, and cheese sandwich for breakfast. Hell yeah, ripping that New Jersey shiz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm down to one more box. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Taylor. R.I.P. Taylor. Hey, I'm not Swift. Yeah. Well, mm, yeah. I mean, I mean, she can't come to the phone right now. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. You're welcome. I mean, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but that was good. I enjoyed that greatly. and It gave me a smile. <laughs> I'm glad. Because you're looking real cute today with your new haircut. Oh, thank you. I could post that picture on the Instas and be like... Do it! I look like shit today because I'm sweaty because I've been doing stuff all over the house today. Yeah, but you've been, like, doing, like, adult housework, so... (sighs) It's heinous. I, like... We have a lot of woodwork in our house because our house was built in, like, 1903. So I was, like, scrubbing it all down because, hi, I have pets that shed and it's gross. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Girl, yeah, you know about that life. I shed. do know about that life. I myself shed a great deal as an Italian man. So. It happens. Plus, you got that thick head of hair, so right. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that you shed. Yeah, no, we have we have a pet vac. We have a rubber Ooh. broom. Rubber brooms are really great for like clumping up hair and dust on the floor into like one solid clump because it gets all stuck in the rubber bristles. Um, we have. A regular broom and dustpan. We have our steam mop. We have a Swiffer. We have a lot of things that we, ooh, excuse me, that we use in a, I, I, I'm going to be honest, a semi, oh my gosh, excuse me again. I'm, it's the pancakes. Um, a semi-regular basis to clean all the floors because we also have most wood everywhere. And just, you know, those corners, they get like, what would you call them? Like, uh, dust daddies. Um, Ooh, dust daddy. Or like, uh, hair pies. You know what I mean? No, but that sounds gross as fuck. Yeah, no, they're, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, could I serve you a hair pie? Mm hmm. And also, mm-hmm. and also because, like, I mean, you also live in, wilderness-ish with lots of tall grass and stuff but uh yeah because our building is also very old and wooden we just we find caterpillar carcasses oh that's um, strange a, a lot and 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 some of them aren't the caterpillar some of them are actually the cocoons Ooh. um and i don't know like we don't we don't see bugs when they're inside but then we see their shedded remains the remains oh that means you had a butterfly in your house we did oh you know it's really fun i don't know why but in our office in the 
top right corner of the ceiling, um, we always have a ladybug. Weird. And I'm always like, oh, ladybug. Um, yeah. So like, oh, ladybug. That's my story. Mm, ladybugs. Yeah. That's, that's my story. And I'm sticking mm. to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, ladybug. Ladybug. Anyway. You mm-hmm. picked the film this week. I did pick the film this week. This week I'm very excited because this is another oldie timey, oldie schooly, schlock galore, cheesy as fuck, 1950s slash 60s horror movie. Um, and, you know, just as a little intro here, um, I'm just going to say a bunch of random things, and then I'll reveal the title after. So stock footage, poor editing, cheesy dialogue, over-the-top acting, more stock footage, UFO models on strings, overtly gay character acting, the aliens in general being queens, um, and Vampira. Uh, We are talking about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Which, you know, I, until today, I haven't seen, so it was nice to see it. And Nick and I both watched different but the same versions. He watched the original Black and White, and I watched the one that was uh, colorized. So Mm -hmm. that wasn't it. Mm -hmm. We didn't plan that. We just kind of, like, I picked whatever one was streaming free from Amazon, and it was the one in color. So, so. The, the funny thing is, I also streamed whichever one I could find for free on Amazon. So maybe they're both available and we just didn't find the other one that the other one did. I saw it, but it said something about watching with other options. And I didn't feel like digging to find out what those options were. So I just went with the one that was like streamed through Amazon. I was like, okay, yeah. twist my arm. Um, okay, before we get into the nitty gritty of this, I just want to tell you how much I thoroughly enjoyed the set design in this film. Oh, it's so I, I feel like there's no other word but delicious to describe it because it's just so bad. It's so bad that it reminds me of like a high school production of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Because, yes. Like they did that like clown car thing where they're all coming out of the mausoleum that was too small for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just felt like it could have slash should have been like a stage production versus a movie based on how the set design was. Well, right. And like the whole entire cemetery was like a little thing with like wooden, clearly very light wooden uh, graves coming out of the ground because of people were walking around. They shook like it was it was great. And and Plan 9 from Outer Space is actually um, a movie that comes with the um the title of quite possibly the best worst film ever made. Um, So this very much goes along with the subject of another episode coming soon that also happens to be a collab with another podcast. Ooh, semi-spoilers. Ooh. Um, So basically this movie was the last thing that Bella Lugosi did. Well, kind of. So, so yeah. So I, yeah. I researched this movie heavily. Okay. I can't wait to share all the facts with you. I'm sorry I cut you off. So continue. No, it's okay. I was just reading. That was on the IMDb trivia page, and I know you have a whole oh, other yeah. set of trivia. So like, I was just going through it, and I was like, oh, this is. Uh... I mean, this was an Ed Wood production, first off. 
Correct. He uh, he wrote it. He produced it. He directed it, and he edited it. He was like, he was like, you know, he he was like that that force of nature behind this film, mainly because no one but he he wanted to make it. But that's not the point. Did you know Ed Wood Jr. also helped him? His son. Well, that's that's nice of him. Yeah, and his son his son died really young. I was just looking him up. He died at fifty four. Oh. That's that's not very old. No. But, um, um, what is what? So, what's the deal with this movie, Nick? You could you could tell us all about it. All right. So, uh, I did not look up anything about this movie until after I watched it, and I feel like that always gives me the best full experience when we're talking about films that have a cult following, because you can go into it like expecting or like kind of in your mind picturing certain things when you talk to somebody that's like a part of the cult but I was just like let's watch it and then we'll talk about it afterwards so the vast majority of this information if not all this information comes from the plan nine from outer space wikipedia page thank you wikipedia I wish you would sponsor us do you sponsor podcast wikipedia because if you did we would do that um much like wikipedia we are also an editable source this is very true. <laughs> uh, that, many... that, that could be our pitch to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Just like you. We're editable. Yeah. Shareable. Shareable and resourceful. Always there right. when you need you. Absolutely. We're always around. When when you need someone, we're always there. Um, because okay. this is episode, what, 31? I believe so. It's as old as me, thirty-one-year-old lady. We have an old, yeah, thirty-one-year-old, um, thirty-one-year-old homo podcast. Woo! That's exciting. It's <laughs> um, a thirty-one episode of homo podcast. Thirty-one-year-old podcast. Um, speaking of Jenna Marbles. Okay. Did you see her video from this week? Uh, her her nineties. Yes, when she went yes. to Claire's and just bought yes. everything. And she was like, the glitter hurts my face. I could not. It was the, I, like, she, she is such a queen. And, like, sure, she has, like, 17 million something followers on YouTube, so she's fine. But, like, she is not given the, um, the credit she deserves because she is a force of our generation. She just does what the fuck she wants. And then millions of people watch it. Jenna and Julian, if you want to be on an episode of our podcast, just get, send me a DM. Send Nick an email. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, do, I don't think you want to, but I want you to. Hell yeah. So. <laughs> and bring your dogs. All of them. Bunny especially. I would love to meet her. IRL. Actually, well, especially Marble, because I want to cuddle him. But that's oh, just me. Marble, you sweet baboo. Yeah. Um. Anyway, plan nine from out of space. <laughs> Plan this, nine from Jenna Marble's backyard. I mean, that's probably where they've where they taped it. So let's be honest. Um, this uh, was released in 1959. Um, it's a, a cool and sweet 120 minutes. Um, that's not true at all. What am I? I don't know my math. It's a cool and sweet 80 minutes. Jesus Christ, Nick. So pretty short, but. It is a 1959 horror film. so Which, that's pretty long for a 1950s film. 
It is. And I was talking to Arthur about this. One thing I really appreciate about old horror from the 50s and 60s or even earlier than that is that like there's there's no setup. There is no illusion. Um, It is all just like straight up. This is what's happening. Like it's very, for lack of a better term, black and white. Like it's like boom, boom, boom. Like. Oh, there's aliens. The aliens are here. It's not like, oh, there's, there's, there's a whisper there, in the wind. Maybe there's aliens. There's zero subtext whatsoever. Yeah, it's, it's very it's straightforward. Um, and that, like, helps it and hurts it. But I think for this movie, it already being billed as the best worst. Like, it's very much, it helped it out. So, um, as we already discussed, this is an Edward movie. He did basically everything. He's like a quadruple threat. Uh, sure. Um, and I do feel like this movie is quite poignant for today's date and time, which is unfortunate because we still have to kind of learn the lesson getting serious here for a moment that, um, the self-destructive behavior of humanity quite possibly is the real threat to our extinction and, um, not, outer sources from outside of our planet um, because we the real assholes. So that's true. I thought that was pointing as fuck. And I was like, Whoa, I don't think they meant for this to like, you know, be as significant as this point is, but unfortunately it still is. So anyway, plan nine from outer space. The movie opens with an introduction by Ed Wood's friend his name is Criswell. He is the fun and flirty, like super dramatic, probably homosexual man with like the little curly cue in his hair. Criswell is a psychic. Criswell <laughs> also looks like the Wizard of Oz. Yes. He is not the man behind the curtain. He is the projection of the actual Wizard of Oz. Right. It's just like two curly cues, just very yeah. voluptuous, very delicious. I feel like... Since this was 59, do you think it had, like, an actual time that it was supposed to be set in? Because that hairstyle is not very apt to that time frame. That's very, like, a 20s, 30s thing. Yeah, like, I don't really know. I think, like, it's supposed to be based in, like, the here and now, meaning 1950s Los Angeles. Um, Excuse me. but I think that was nice and gross simultaneously. (laughs) I'm sorry. It was good. Those chocolate chip pancakes, they got me good, boo. Um, I did put lots of butter on them, so I like, can't eat Ooh. anything else today. But um, uh, Except for vegetables. But yeah, so I feel like everything that happens like in Los Angeles is supposed to be like in the time that it's set in. But like the narration, obviously the aliens, obviously anything that's like going on with like the weird, like vampire zombies and whatnot um it's like very much a mix of like 1950s sci-fi but then also 1940s like macabre and then like yeah so it's like a weird like sci-fi macabre mixture um like the alien stuff is very much that like the aliens are played by humans in shiny suits with like 
just a little bit more extravagant hairstyles than like the quote unquote typical like adult human, you know? And I, and I think in this specific instance, when they're showing the shiny uniforms mm-hmm. is really when it being in color for me really made the difference. Yeah. Because up until then, it was just kind of that mm, whitewashed, like fleshy tones where it could be still in black and white. It could not. There really wasn't so much distinction of color. But when they got to the alien people with their like uh, jumpers on, mm-hmm. you could tell like they were in like hues of like purples and greens. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's something you'd be able to tell in black and white or if they just look like hues of silver. You know what I mean? I mean, you could tell that they were shiny. Um, right. Uh, I mean, you could also tell that like the guy who's like the lead alien uh, who was a fucking queen like Jesus fucking Christ like he was all flamboyant like all the time like I am the best and the and the one and you know I know all the things I was like whoa queen slow down anywho he was wearing like a generic like knight's costume that you could like buy at Party City right and that was like pretty funny but that also goes to show you the budget they had to work with here it was not very high um, especially oh, because really not because yeah. uh, hi, have you seen the graveyard scene? Oh my god, I have seen the graveyard scene, um, and I loved the graveyard scene, but it's very much like high school production of like anything, you know? Right, right, um, right. So, Criswell, Edward's friend, he's a psychic. He actually had his own television program, um, where he basically told the future. So, like, was Criswell the original, like, um, uh, like, Colin, I'll tell you your fortune? Who was that lady in the 90s? Miss Cleo? <laughs> Miss Cleo. Like, was he the original Miss Cleo? Oh, possibly. Charlatan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Criswell, he's flamboyant. He's got his spit curled hair he's sitting there and he talks like this and um he basically just says the same thing in different ways for like five minutes you know he's like the the humans are fearful of the future because the future is where we'll be living tomorrow in the future so we must talk about the future for the future because the future is tomorrow we will be living because that's tomorrow is the future Right, he was just kind of going in circles for no reason. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, but, like, apparently that's very much how his, I don't know what you would call it, television show, talk show, that's very much how his show went, where, like, any prediction he ever made wasn't right, but he tried to play it off that he was super smart and, like, actually a psychic by talking in circles. Um but he wasn't very good at it. Um, at least he was good at doing his hair or his hairstylist was good at doing his hair. We don't know. It was the 1930s. But anyway, um, now we also know that one of the top build people in this movie is Vampira. Um, and according to Vampira, she was recruited for this film to act as a vampire which is essentially what she was doing, but really she was basically just being herself. She was being Vampira, um, but with like a rip in one of her sleeves. And um, she was offered $200 for her part. And she 
recalled that she insisted that her part be silent after reading the script because she did not like any of the dialogue that Ed Woods wrote for her. However, none of the zombie, vampire, alien creatures, the three of them that we have, talked at all. So either they did try to give Vampira a larger part or she was just remembering incorrectly because it's her and then it's Bella Lugosi as Dracula essentially and then it's the police guy that dies and comes back to life but so getting into the Bella Lugosi stuff uh, you know speaking of him so he is billed as being in this movie this is billed as Bella Lugosi's last film However, he was never involved in the filming of this movie at all. So, short tangential story. Is tangential a word I just made up? Um, I think it's I think it's made up, but maybe you meant tangential. That's might, probably, that's probably But is I that mean. an English word? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's tangent adjacent. Tangential. As my dad would say, English is not my first language. I mean, it is my first and only <laughs> language, but is it really? Because maybe my first language is uh, gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, no, that's fair. Mm-hmm. So Bela Lugosi passed away in 1956. Okay. This movie came out in 1959. He was working with Ed Woods on a different picture. Okay. And this picture was going to be called uh, The Vampire's Tomb and or The Ghoul Goes West. So it was some type of, you know, Bela Lugosi as Dracula thing. Um, But they hadn't really decided if it was going to be like a straight up like macabre movie or if I guess Dracula was going to go west. So whatever. Um, but all of the footage of Bela Lugosi in this movie is completely unrelated to Plan 9 from Outer Space because it was all footage shot for this unrealized project that they were working on prior to his death. So um, this is like he didn't like take advantage like Ed didn't take advantage of the fact that he had this footage like he and Bella Lugosi had actually become good friends during the filming of the other project they were doing and he wanted to use the footage in some way so he was like all right well i have all this footage i want to use it i want to honor his name but also like if i put bella lugosi's name on this film it'll draw in more people so that's what he had done and so he basically after bella passed away he didn't like necessarily write the script for plan nine around the footage he had, but he like wrote it, keeping in mind that he had to fit this stuff that Bella Lugosi was in into the film. So like the funeral, all of him being in the graveyard, him stalking the lady in her house, like all of that was for this other film. And then he just made it all plot points in plan nine from outer space. And they did need somebody to stand in for him 
in the scenes where they went into the spaceship because all three of the zombies were in the spaceship when the aliens called them in. And so um, guess who they got to do that? Tom Cruise. I mean, I wish, but they actually, um, (laughs) they got uh, Ed's wife's chiropractor. Ed's wife's chiropractor. Yep. That's a mouthful of stuff. And apparently Ed's wife's chiropractor was a lot taller than Bella Lugosi, um, which is why you can tell it's not him in the scenes that he's in and why he has to have the cape all the way above his face and all you can see is his hair. It's so obnoxious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is technically <laughs> Bela Lugosi's last film, but he's not actually in it at all. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, that's a lot of the background of how Bela Lugosi ended up in this movie. Vampira, she was actually hired. Um, I love her. I'm sure there's lots of people out there that adore her. To me, Vampira is the original cinching queen, which in actuality she is. Like, hi, um, Violet Chachki, we love you, but like, bitch had the smallest waist for a long ass fucking time. You know? I literally took the words right out of my mouth because when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is what Violet Chachki could have done if she tried harder. Like, I actually, I, I want to see Violet Chachki do Vampira because I think it would be fucking fantastic because um, Violet Chachki is extremely talented and also like the nails. Like those were the nails that Vampira used all the time when she was in character. They're fucking like, they're like at least five inches long on each finger. According to Michelle Visage, if you're uh-huh. not wearing nails, you're not doing drag. Well, I mean, hi. She <laughs> vampire knew what she was fucking doing, um, and yes, she she was a you know, visual genius, especially for was. her time period. And and her scream is iconic, and obviously we all know that she's like the OG horror like film hostess situation. Hostess uh, with the yes. mostest. Before there was an Elvira, there was a Vampira. Um, mm, mm. Yeah. And I, I always loved that Elvira was referential of Vampira. Right. And I will say, including one of my close friends, there are some people who are like OG Vampira stands and they hate Elvira because they feel like she just like straight up stole Vampira shtick. But like, no, right? Like there's clear differences between them. Like Vampire wasn't about body and sex. Vampire was about like just like overness and like being bigger than life and she had the tiny waist and the humongous nails and she was like this creepy creature in the night and she was completely over the top and she knew it but like like Elvira is a lot of those things but she's also all about the body and the sex appeal and like Vampira, like if she had the opportunity to make her own movie, would have never made Elvira Mistress of the Dark. Do you know what I mean? Right. She would have made Vampira Mistress of the Dark. Or or whatever, you know. Um and I, I do feel like we might be dipping our toes into a pool of extreme um uh what is the word I'm looking for? I've lost the use of the English language. 
it's very far left from where we're trying to go. But like the thing it is, is, this film has like uh, the plot. Main plot point of this film is that it's basically like a body snatchers I, because yeah, the guy, yeah, yeah the I guess. Cur- curly Q grown ass Cupid in mm-hmm. the beginning even says they're like alien grave robbers. Well, it's funny that you do bring that up. So. Um, the original, that was, that was a very good setup and you didn't even realize it. Thanks, um, man. Something I'm unintentionally working on. <laughs> you're like unintentionally very good at it, but Thanks. The, the original name of this movie was, um, Grave Robbers from Outer Space, not Plan 9 from Outer Space. Mm, mm. Um, I mean, that would have made more sense. Right. It, to- it totally would have, which is why that was the original title that Ed Woods wanted. However... The financial backers for this movie were two Baptist preachers. Oh, so grave robbing is a big no. Yes, they felt like it was sacrilegious and they were like, no, you can't name it that. But he kept that as the title for a while. And even, oh my God, these pancakes. I don't know, too much butter or something. <laughs> I thought the you were original... saying something about your pants, and I was like, I agree. Oh. <laughs> my, oh my god! Pants. Oh my god! Oh my these god! Pants. These pants—they're so luxurious. I'm not even wearing pants right now, to be honest with you. That's fair. Who needs pants? It's fucking no. hot out. It is on. fucking hot out. And who's looking at me? No one. So get over yourselves. Also, um, like, um, it's like actually a nice day out, but like, it is pretty nice. There's a nice wind right now in New York. A nice breeze in Cleveland. Mm. <laughs> Let that flow through your hair. But yeah, so that was not the original title. Grave Robbers from Outer Space was. Um, and he kept that, like, like the original screening, that was still the bill title, like, on the on the placard for the movie. Like, the nameplate in the actual film, like, when it played, was Grave Robbers from Outer Space. And then it just kind of, like, sat there for a couple years because no one was picking it up. Um Right. It kind of just sat in the vault, Disney mm-hmm. vault. And then he didn't really change the name to Plan 9 from Outer Space because of the original backers. Because they kind of felt like, well, great, like we lost our investment. He changed it because he didn't want people to recognize that so much time had elapsed between when it originally screened and when it was actually theatrically redu- uh, reduced, um, released. So... That was more of the reason why he changed it, but I guess it also quelled the concerns of the 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 preacher backers of the film. So, so he was basically up? like the original Richard Linklater with his uh, what was that uh, the Boyhood Boyhood that took him ten years to film, right? Um, very much like uh, this is a piece of art that is very personal to me, aka I've done everything myself. Um, he had to take his time. Um, but he really, like, he drew in other people to be in the movie because he had Bella Lugosi's name to draw them in. Um, but yeah, that's how it got the name Plan 9 from Outer Space. And essentially, as you have already kind of discussed a little bit, it's like the aliens have been trying to make contact with us for a while because they're concerned that we are getting technologically advanced enough to soon be able to produce this type of bomb that would obliterate the entire galaxy that both they and we live in. So it's like that, hey, slow your roll message that we've seen in a lot of movies since then, 
with aliens involved. Like you are the real danger and no one else. But um, I guess they got fed up because we didn't want to say they existed. And so they were like, let's enact plan nine. Let's resurrect the dead. That'll make them listen. Um, And I'm not sure if that completely worked, but um, they did it. And uh, so there's three zombies. There's Vampira, there's the Dracula slash Bela Lugosi slash Ed's wife's chiropractor. Which they also, I don't mean to cut you off, but before I forget, they also bill him as the ghoul. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why. I guess ghoul was a popular term back then. Um, Yes, we actually had somebody here, um, P.T. Anderson. mm -hmm. Um, He used to do, like, he was the original crypt crypt keeper, but Mm -hmm. in Cleveland. And he would do, like, early morning and late night like uh like almost like mystery science theater 3000 where they would show like these types of films and his name was Goulardi. Oh, Goulardi. That's a good one. Yeah, he's um he's like a Cleveland legend, but uh he's a fictional character invented to voice uh an announcer, like a like a disc jockey. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Same as his name was Ernie Anderson. P.T. Anderson, I think, is his son, who's done other other films. But yeah, he kind of just looked like, um, if you Google him, he looks like the old caricatures of, like, the devil mm-hmm. on, like, a circus paintings and stuff, where he had a very pointy beard, and he had the same, like, cheruby hair, but he did the same thing. So this was probably something that I'm sure Goulardi did show. Mm-hmm. Probably it, it did do a long run of being shown late at night, yeah. Like as a Tales from the Crypt type thing. Yeah, like this very much became a cult classic because it was celebrated for its ridiculousness and, um, uh, like a lot of people think it was made very poorly, but like. In reality, a lot of the things that they feel like were done poorly was because, A, of the budget, and B, you have to think about, like, back in 1959, you're making an independent film. You're only expecting it to be run in theaters in the format that you're filming it in or that you're filming it for. So it was, like, the very wide screen. So, like, if you watch it now you're going to see things like the boom mics at the top, like the shadows of things. You're going to see pieces of furniture that shouldn't be there. Um, But like a lot of that stuff was originally cut out of the film because of the widescreen format. So like he didn't stage it wrong. It was, it's just now in a different format that we're watching it in, in 2019. Right. Um, But you know, Beyond that, like enough of, you know, uh, defending Ed Wood. Uh, there's a lot about this movie that makes it the best worst film. I mean, number one, 
I just feel like anything Vampire does, she does 100%, and it's so over the top. And, like, just, like, I could watch her walk around for, like, a good half an hour, probably. Especially with that that cinch waist. That silhouette is iconic. Nobody else can create that silhouette so effectively that she can. Where you're like, what, what are you, you waif human? Like, yeah, like I, I don't like. Where are all her organs? Um, probably in her chest cavity. She probably just moved them around. Because I was like, what the fuck? How did you make that happen to your body? Besides yeah. corseting for like your whole life, right? And like maybe that's why she has such a wide chest. But then like also like the nails. Like I could just watch her nails. Like Barbara Streisand's. Like she still has the same type of nails. But like when she first became like a star. And like even in the a star, not in the um, excuse me again, in the Funny Girl movie, her nails in that movie, like I could watch her hands. Like some women are just really good at like like there's hairography, there's handography, you know, with the nails, and like she's just very good at that. And so is Vampira. Anyway, um, there's still obviously a lot of things that are comical about this movie. Like number one. The fucking plastic models of the flying saucers. The cardboard <laughs> cutout headstones and mausoleum. Right. Like they're legitimately and like and you see the strings on on the fucking saucers. And then like they uh, so they took footage of the saucers. Right. And then like there's a lot of stock footage in this movie. There's stock footage technically of Bela Lugosi that like is cut into the movie, but like doesn't make any sense for when they placed it, which is ridiculous. Um, But then there's also like, they took the footage of the flying saucers and imposed it or imposed over it stock footage of somebody driving through Los Angeles. There's a lot of that. All of the attack sequences where the army is shooting the fucking like 10,000 rockets at the UFOs on strings, all of that is army stock footage. So like, if this movie is like an hour and some odd minutes, like a good, I'm going to say 20 minutes of this film is legitimate stock footage, which is too much, too much. It's a really long time for the content of this film because, one, it doesn't really help move the story along. The story isn't well-developed. And, like, in that vein, Gregory Walcott actually said, like, after reading the script, that this was, like, the worst film he'd ever read in his entire career. And Greg Walcott played the larger, lurchy-looking zombie guy. The, the the cop that dies and comes back to life. Yes, he's very large and hulking. Um, but yeah, he read this and was like, what the fuck is this garbage? But I guess I'll do it because work is work. I mean, yeah. And, and um, right. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, basically work is work. And that's pretty much what this movie was. Oh, wait. Gregory Walcott plays Jeff. My name's so, Jeff. So Gregory Walcott is Jeff, who's like, he's the main guy. And then there's Paul, there's Mona. No, yeah, Mona McKinnon plays his wife. She's the one that gets pursued by um, Ed's wife. That's right. That was my B. I was looking That's at right. an IMD photo of Greg Walcott 
But they don't specifically say, hey, this is Greg Walcott on the left, and to the right were this big lurching guy. That's not him. That's Tor Johnson. Yeah, so Who's Greg Walcott's Wal- name is Tor? Maybe it's Thor. And they left out a letter? Yep. Um, um, so Greg Walcott, totally a babe. Yeah, he's a, yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a good looking man, and he, like, plays this dude... Who, like, in the story was like, hey, I saw an alien, but, like, the government told me I didn't see an alien. But I saw an alien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's an alien. I don't and know. he's like, it sure is. And they're like, waves hand. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jedi uh, might trick you into thinking it's not. Yes. Also, another fun fact. The, um, the guy who plays the, like, alien ruler, his name is Bunny. Breckenridge and he's he's actually an American actor and drag queen so yes queen oh so this movie is z-snap gay iconic gay iconic it is gay iconic and also like just so everyone is fully aware these are like on the spot like google lookups like we didn't have all this prepared just so everybody knows like let's be honest we want you to be on the same learning page as us because this is a learning curve that we're We're, gonna do we're riding this learning curve together did you know that bella lugosi supplied his own costume of course he did because of (laughs) yeah like obviously because this film had a budget of 27 dollars um, yeah, but so, like, essentially, like, there's a lot of things that people laugh about because, like, they think, like, oh, this is so, so poorly made. Like, some of it was not necessarily Edward's fault. Like, in the first pilot scene, uh, one of the two pilots, the one that's not, um, what the fuck's his name that we just talked about? Gregory something. Walcott. So that one. The one that's not him. Um I don't know the name of the other pilot, but uh, he like you could see his script in his lap. And again, like Ed thought that that would be cut out because of the widescreen. So like that's why he didn't care. Although we see it in in the in the larger. And they could have they could have totally played it off and like been more effective with how they hit it by maybe like placing a newspaper in his lap. Yeah, or, like, whatever. And, like, like honestly... And, like, with the script inside of it. You know, that old trick. Yeah. But, like, all these, like, hot mess expresses, like, that's what gives us, like, today's camp. Because we redo it, we make it grander, we make more fun of it, but also, in doing that, we honor it. Like, that's why Plan 9 from Outer Space is, like, such a big deal. Because, like, everyone loves the fact that it's so bad and campy that it's good. Um, and, like, so... This is the other thing that is not very well done that really annoys me. I don't know if you noticed this, but so there's that stock footage from the other Bella Lugosi project that he was doing with Ed Wood that didn't end up happening of Bella Lugosi going into the house and like basically just like saying, hi, what's up to Paula? Like she was not very concerned that Bella Lugosi was in her house until, like, she actually screamed finally and ran. Because, um, like, he was there for her, like, a full-on minute. Um, but, but also, discrepancy, shouldn't vampires be invited in? Like, they can't just come in. 
Well, I don't know if they ever actually <laughs> breached that with Bella Fugosi and his Dracula, but like, I guess you're technically right, whatever. But I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I'm just going on the vampire lore that I know, which right. is they need there's, to be invited in, and that's about it. <laughs> there's like, there's too many vampire lores. No, like, how some of them are, some of them glitter in the light, some of them can't be in the light. Like, come on, people. Let's get our story straight. Some of them um, are Gary Oldman. Some, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Uh, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, right. So that whole sequence where she is running through the high school production graveyard and all of the graves are shaking when she runs by. Um, and then like she encounters big like Hulkin detective guy come back from the dead and then she encounters vampira and then uh there's like all these shots of her running and it's dark and then all the shots of vampira and then especially bella lugosi like it's clearly not night like it's the daytime so like the sky keeps changing and i was like what the fuck is going on but like he only had the footage that he had of Bella Lugosi to use. And like, also I'm realizing right now, like pause for a second. If you wanted to use this episode as a drinking game, if you take a shot every time that I've said Bella Lugosi, you would get me the fucked up. Okay. You'd so you're, be wrecked. You're welcome. Okay. Um, take half shots. Maybe don't take full shots. Cause that might be irresponsible. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, like that was the major issue for me because the 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 sky kept changing. And then also with the army stock footage, like they put it in a loop. Like it just kept playing over and over again. And you could tell when it restarted. And I was like, what is this? Um, but the other thing that I need to mention, I don't know if this dawned upon you. But when the aliens went back to the mothership to go see their queen um, in his medieval armor getup thing, um, did the planet in the sky thing that they were landing on look like a titty to you? A little bit. Because it looked like a titty a lot of it. <laughs> All I could think of <laughs> now is that vine about the ceiling titty. A ceiling titty. I don't even think I know that. <laughs> or the guy is like pointing to his overhead light and he's like, Do you have a ceiling titty too? And he's Oh, it. um, actually, we have a ceiling titty in every single one of our rooms. I only have one in my bedroom, which seems the most appropriate place to put a ceiling titty. <sighs> oh, hashtag lesbians. I mean, I didn't put it there, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah, obviously not. I didn't choose the titty light fixtures in this house. I, neither did we because we would have not chosen them if we could have but no. not because we don't like titties because i would have liked other light fixtures you know i would have preferred a ceiling fan in my bedroom because I'm yeah like, it's the only room in the house that doesn't have one minus the living room because that one doesn't work cough cough landlord mm, yeah mm. um we actually don't have any ceiling fans no we don't yeah i guess I don't think that just dawned upon me right now, but it hasn't been an issue. Uh, but that's also because we have like a $300 electric bill in the summer because we have all our ACs on um, energy saver mode. Uh, uh, who doesn't? Tell me who doesn't have a $300 fucking electric bill in summertime. I mean, if you want to like live, then every, you know what I mean? Like maybe you don't, but like everybody else on the planet 
does. Like, the AC, except I do feel like we're getting a little bit sick now because the AC in our bedroom um, is on too low. But also, Arthur, like, begged me this morning to clean the filter of our bedroom AC. And, like, it was fucking gross. So I implore everyone... If the clean your filter light is on on your AC, oh, mine doesn't have one. But yes, clean it. Clean it every week. Clean it. Like clean it. Clean it, please. Because I don't know what black tar was on there, but we were breathing that in, and that's probably why we both feel gross because we breathe in that air all night. It um, could also be like just like old house gunk and pet dander and human dander, and it just kind of like see the one that we have in our bedroom is also a dehumidifier at the same time. Uh-huh. So it helps a little bit, but it just it's so big. I I don't like it. It doesn't it's not as strong as it should be for as big as it should be. But I digress. This yeah. film is a hot mess. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's great. Like it's a very enjoyable watch. I mostly watched it just so I could see Vampira in action to be honest with you cuz I really love her. Um but it also is a very schlocky, very cheesy, very campy, delicious little morsel of 1950s horror, um, which is completely appropriate for summer camp, you know? It's basically, okay, so the thing is that this is two things. One, this is basically like a snapshot of time before mm-hmm. film really began to change in the 60s. They began to use color more frequently. Um, the color schemes changed. The costumes changed. And this is more of a snapshot of, like, I would say the 30s and 40s, more so than the 50s, because, uh, you know, hairstyles, et cetera, et cetera. But then it has, like, you know, wardrobe from the 50s, where, yeah. uh, you know, what's his name? Main guy. It's married to Paula. Well, Jeff. Something. Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. Sure. And it, yeah. So like Jeff is in his, you know, like checkered shirts and slacks. Like it's very like 50s housewife and house husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that unfortunately, sometimes when you're discussing camp, you're forced to discuss really, really terrible films that have become cult classics, much yeah. like the film that we're going to be doing next that's coming out soon. Uh-oh. 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 Which, Foreshadowing. I mean, yeah, I mean, this film is billed as, or supposed to be billed as, like, one of the worst films of all time. And, like, you know what? I don't think quality-wise it's not bad. No. So, as far as story, it's very much something that you would see and it has been seen on mystery science 3000. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things. You got to take it with a grain of salt, knowing what it is or not knowing what it is. Cause I went into it having no idea other than it's pillar in the cultural setting of film. Yeah. And like, and, and and I was like, it's my week to choose. Like, I really want to do something different. And like, my husband was just like, do plan nine from outer space, do plan nine, do plan nine, do plan nine. And I was like, it was on our list. So let's just do that one. That's fair. Um, I'm 
I'm never going to object to a film unless it's something that I've mm-hmm. seen. And I'm like, I can't sit through that again. Right. And, and I would totally watch this again. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but like, not right away. Like I need to like watch it again and feel nostalgia in it. So I like have to forget about it for a while and come back. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but it's definitely something that should be on everybody's list. If you want to have a full education on horror, this is very much a staple um, that you should have in your thought catalog. Um, and like along that vein, like, um, you know, there's there's a lot of elements of this, especially because Bella Lugosi is in it, um, <laughs> <laughs> that are... Um, reminiscent of the original like universal horror movies but like only in traces because most of this is like a space movie like a 1950s like outer space movie sci-fi kind of thing um but you know those universal horror movies totally stand up like they're good they are good and they were well done and they were done with purpose and yes. very they were handled very delicately because the studios that did handle them universal mm-hmm. um they handled them as big productions yes so they exactly. were going to pay more attention to them where this is just like a b side project movie that you would have seen on tv at like one in the morning after coming home from work late mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things where Yes, it did stand the test of time and it became a cult classic, but is it a quality film? No. No, no. I mean... Is it is it worth watching? Absolutely. Especially to have it under your repertoire of things that you've seen in your life. Mm-hmm. Because, hi, we're not eternal, but film is, as long as someone keeps it up. So... Frickin' amen. But, like, yeah, like, I completely agree with your uh, statement about like the production value of a lot of the old universal movies, like when they were putting their money into something, like they went all in like the mummy, um, the wolf man, which wolf is my man. favorite. I mean, I, I honestly have to say that um, Bride of Frankenstein is probably my favorite. That's fair. Um, but like, I love the mummy. I love the invisible man. Like that is like the invisible man is fucking nuts. Like he's literally crazy. Um, um, also swamp creature, the swamp swamp creature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like all of them, like you could, like you could see it in the writing, like you can see it in the set design. You can see it in the quality of the costumes and like for that time for the editing and stuff like Those films succeeded where this film failed. Exactly. And that is my point. Like, if you want to compare this to something that people back then would be comparing it to for them to be like, oh, this is bad. Those are the things to be comparing it to. Um, So very roundabout way of me finding what I was trying to say. But apparently that is the theme for me today, that I don't have my full grasp of the English language, which, you know what? It's the frickin' weekend, and uh, fuck you. Yeah. I, I think my dad speaks, like, literally three or four languages, and he said English is the hardest he's ever learned. So There's so many words. So many I mean? words. They don't make any sense. Also, um, do you want to discuss rating really quick, and then we'll get into the biz 
yes. that's coming because campers, we only got a couple weeks left to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's do the thing. So, Ashley, out of five jack-o'-lanterns, how many would you give Plan 9 from Outer Space? I would give it three on the nose. Okay. See, I was also thinking this is very middle of the road. Like, it's not horrible, but it's not fantastic. So, I'm going to also give it a three, which gives us a 60% or six out of ten. And do you know where that lands us? Is right that... around... Not I was going to say, is that spot? Spot on? So it's pretty spot on with Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes oh, okay. gives it a 67. Um, IMDb gives it a 4 out of 10, which, like, I get, but, like, mm, well, it's still, like, so close enough. Um, and and 64% of Google users liked this movie as well. So I'd say we're pretty spot on. I think so. I'm I'm comfortable with our rating. Yas queen. All right. With all that being said, thank you, Ed Wood, for Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, Thanks, Deadwood. I know. Okay. Anyway, I don't know why I thought that was so funny. You're welcome. uh, Between all of the hair products in my hair right now from this haircut, and my stomach being full of just like chocolate and carbs, I'm pretty sure as soon as we're done here, I'm going to be knocked out for a good couple of hours. Like I'm going to take that like power nap. And yeah. Liam was like, she was like, you went, what time did you get up? And I was like eight o'clock. She's like on a fucking Saturday. And I was like, you fucking betcha. Like yeah. I can't, I can't like once the dog wants up, like it's just way too much work to try and go back to sleep. So I've been up since eight um working and doing stuff around the house and she was like like fuck like you got some shit done and you're gonna want to sleep nap before we go see scary stories tonight yeah and i was like i don't think that's going to happen but that would be ideal because Mm -hmm. as i get older it is harder for me to take a nap and i will say i am excited that scary stories to tell in the dark is out um, yeah, it was directed by my horror papa, Guillermo del Toro. So. Papa! Papa! Um, I mean, so far, I only know a couple people that have seen it already. Um, shout out to Ghoul Chat. One of their hosts, Will, I'm like kind of internet friends with on like Instagram and stuff. And he and the other co-hosts of Ghoul Chat went to a press screening of it the day before it was released. And he said that, like, for a PG-13 movie, like, he was kind of restrained in what he could do. But, like, he did a pretty good job with PG-13. But, like, that does make me sad because I didn't realize it was PG-13. Like, I was excited that it was going to be an R movie based on these books because then they could, like, go all the way. Yes. Um, but you'll have to tell me what you think. Of course, as if I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, I know. I am waiting for my texts and etc. So, um, anyway, housekeeping. Housekeeping, knock knock, housekeeping. So we have essentially at this point two weeks left of summer camp, which is a tragedy in itself. Um, I think we might stretch it to three for Labor Day weekend. Oh, that's not the worst idea in the world. So let's let's make our finale, if you will, 
um, September 2nd, Labor Day, literally. That's my mom's birthday. Oh, almost happy birthday to Allison. Also, <laughs> um, this episode airs on a Monday as per usual, pumpkins. Mm-hmm. So Monday is August 12th. It is. Which is my very good friend's Sarah's birthday. Oh. So happy birthday, Sarah. Happy birthday, Sarah. She's a 30-something year old lady so Mm -hmm. she falls right into our demographic (laughs) and she has a really cool uh haunted mansion tattoo even though she doesn't know that i know about it but i saw it online (laughs) uh shout out to skylar ryan tattoos on instagram because they're the one who did it and they also did our buddy paramore tattoos so woo shout out to both of them happy birthday sarah hey skylar um Mm -hmm. What else do we have going on? We have a, another collab coming up this coming week. Mm-hmm. Um, not gonna, not gonna tell you when it's gonna happen. You'll just, it'll, you'll get the notification when it does. Yeah. But um, our friends Tori and Megan from Toil and Trouble podcast pop into the counselor's bunk and spill the tea on their best worst movie. Yes. Um, also, as of yes. this, I was going to say, as of this episode, should we just tell them that we are at over a thousand downloads? So that's pretty freaking cool. Um, and then like almost out of nowhere, our downloads started to increase by the second. So we're almost at another hundred downloads already, which I know some podcasts start and they launch and they like get a bajillion downloads right away. But this is a grassroots production here. We didn't have any fan base coming in. So that's pretty darn cool. And we thank everyone that does listen to it and support it. But I will repeat myself like a broken record. Please, we don't bite. We're just two friendly homos that love horror and want to talk about it and shoot the shit. And also, we love gay stuff and want to shoot the shit about that. So if you have any questions, concerns, ideas for an episode, comments, whatever, please slide into our DMs at Copulators Die First Pod on Instagram, or please email us at copulators die first podcast at gmail.com and along with that our website which was only launched like what two weeks ago i think uh i believe so yes um we already have over 100 views and 200 um visitors so that's pretty freaking cool that's a lot yeah like it seems like a lot to me too like that's pretty freaking cool i'm glad we're on the same page because that's a lot I mean, like, I hope it blows up and continues to grow. But, like, I feel like for us coming from where we're at, like, that's a lot. Like, that's pretty freaking cool. So, again. High five through the mic. High five. High five through the mic. And thank you to everyone. Um, My husband is calling me. Sup, Arthur? Um, Arthur. Um, Anyway, last thing. Um, So... We are, as of this point in time, also up to 20 reviews on iTunes. And as anyone who is a podcast listener knows, because a lot of people mention this in their podcasts, um, a great way to get noticed by new and larger groups of eyes is to rate and review your favorite podcasts. 
because those rates, interviews, and interactions Apple looks at and says, oh, let's boost this up to new, new and more people. So 20 is a pretty great number, but we're looking to get to that 30 mark and then beyond. So if you haven't rated us yet, please go and do it if you like what we do. We sincerely will appreciate it. And then hopefully the pumpkin patch will only grow and get bigger. And it's a, um, it's a great pumpkin patch, Charlie. Brown. It is. Um, also, and- I think subscribers also gives us a better idea of what our audience is. Right. Um, numbers wise. So if you're listening and you hit that little subscribe button, you'll get notified every Monday when we drop a new episode and whenever there's a bonus episode. Because right now, our audience numbers don't really reflect our downloads, if that makes sense. So maybe we can figure out some analytics together and y'all can just hit subscribe and we know how many of you there are. Yeah, that would be nice. So subscribe and rate and comment and review. And if you listen to us on Spotify, um, follow us on Spotify. Uh, If you know any other podcast enthusiasts who are also horror nerds, just like let them know about us if they don't know about us already. Um, Tell one friend. Tell tell a neighbor. Tell a stranger. I don't care who you tell. Tell one person. It all starts with one step forward. I feel like I might have said it in our first episode. Uh, Something similar, yes. But, Um, you know, here we are, referential of our first episode ever. Oh, and guess what? There's a referential (laughs) t-shirt available in our merch store. In our merch store. I don't own it yet. Uh Soon I will own a referential shirt or beanie or um, snapback or backpack or camp mug or any item that you want mm-hmm. so you know just let us know yeah what you'd like us to cover even slide into our dms because we have some cool stuff planned for october we're starting a short series that we're going to do um and on that series we're gonna have our friend tori from toil and trouble podcast come in and help us do one of them, because she's one of the most thorough researchers I've ever met. So Yes, unlike us who live Google search while we're recording. And an she's like, you guys are slackers. I have 87 pages of notes. And I was like, I don't have one note. Yeah, so, no. My notes are really just my reactions to the movies I while I'm watching them. I feel you know like what I mean? that's how our podcast runs. We don't really, yeah. we really do research because this is a, uh, you know, it's more so about reactionary Versus um, proactive. Yeah, research. it's reactionary. It's conversational. We're shooting the shit. We're having a kiki. Um, Hunty, if you're sitting with us, you're having a kiki. So house, let's put house that down, away. house down boots. Um, <laughs> Burn the house down. House down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're done peddling our wares, but I will say that everything that we've discussed can be found at our really cool, swanky website, copulatorsdiefirst.com. Really easy to remember. There's also a link to it in our Instagram bio. Um, again, guys, we really appreciate what's happened so far. We haven't even been doing this for a full year. You know what I mean? We're making making strides. They're steady yeah. and they're slow, but we're making them. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Should we plug our in our personal Instagrams? Do we ever do that? Have we ever? I don't know if we have, but they're also in our Instagram bio now. But um, you can go go first. You can find me at Gory G O R Y underscore Feldman. 
on Instagram. And my personal is all one word. She bring it to you every bowl. Um, but it's she, S-H-E, bring it. And then the number two, and then Y-O-U, every ball. So she bring it to you every ball. All one word. And ball, I'm saying ball, but it's ball, B-A-L-L. Um, so she bring it to every ball. That was a very long-winded explanation, but it's a very specific gay reference. Um, that should just be that. the name of this episode, specific gay reference. <laughs> I mean, done. Like, I'm serious. Done. done. All right. You got it. You got it, El Capitan. Woo! And with that, pumpkins, keep on creeping on, and we'll see you next week. Yes. Bye. 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 Thank you.